Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am interviewing a Baltimore native who is a multidisciplinary artist who is critically acclaimed as a performer, director, choreographer, and playwright. Please welcome Paige Hernandez. Welcome to the podcast. Ooh, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> What's up, Rob? Howdy. How goes it? It's going. We are just moving right along, aren't we? We're here. Pandemic. <laughs> uh, yes. And I, I love the headset. It has a really like a girl six vibe that's going on there. So. Oh, I was going for Janet Jackson. But yes, I'll take girl six. I mean, you know, a little Spike Lee, a little Janet. Let's <laughs> do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> so um, thank you. Obviously, I can already tell you because of what your background is. You have a, a stellar personality. So I know we're going to going to hit it off. <laughs> Mine's is terrible. Mine's is terrible. Um, but if you will, could you give us the vital stats and like introduce yourself? Tell the fine folks how you got started, like in the arts, specifically in the performing arts and um, maybe your first experience in uh, in performing. Yeah, sure. Buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> so uh, my name is Paige Hernandez. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Coming to you live from the land of the Piscataway, also known as PG County, Merlin, um, which is where I've lived now for, for quite some time. But I am, yes, a Baltimore native, Baltimore City native. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, born and raised. Um Proud to be a product of Baltimore City Public Schools as well, all the way throughout. Um, and yes, I am a multidisciplinary artist. I think you uh, put it all out there for me, but um, I'm essentially what it looks like when there's a lot of intersectionality hmm. and also a lot of no's. <laughs> yeah. And those no's translate to me figuring it out and taking on new hats and new things. Um so, yes. And then, you know, in terms of when I kind of got bit by the bug, I'd have to say that was like middle school for me. Uh, my first theatrical experience was Little Shop of Horrors nice. at Arena Players. Nice. So big ups to Arena Players and all the Arena Players alum. And um, yeah, after that, I auditioned for the Twigs program, which is at Baltimore School for the Arts. It's like an after school, uh, kind of like a middle school pipeline into auditioning for the school, which is what I did. Yeah. And then a proud graduate of Baltimore School for the Arts for theater. Hmm. Yes. What is that shade, sir? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you off, Mike. I'll tell you off, Mike, about that. Because I was going to ask, I was like, what, what was the high school? Because, you know, that's the thing in Baltimore. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. What, yeah, what was the like, high school? I mean, that's I was pretty city. much the first question. I was city. Oh, college. city forever. Mm, yes. See, I, but see, no. I, I got mad love for city. Oh, I, I, I didn't make it into the school of the arts. That's why the shade is there. Oh. <laughs> I was like, mm, my art, my art isn't great. So I just started doing creative writing at city. So I was one of those. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. yeah, I I've even worked with Miss Orange. I don't know if you remember. I remember or if you had Miss Orange, uh -huh, yeah. Uh -huh, but um, uh -huh. all kinds of um city nights up and throughout my family. So. I always talk about his nobility. You know, the black knights. You know, fist it's up. The nobility. That's right. Because. My little brother and my husband are city alums. So yeah, yeah. and then uh, from there went to University of Maryland College Park and got a degree in theater and broadcast journalism. Go Terps or what have you. Go Terps. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the so, Turtles. Yeah. yeah. And then um, from there, I kind of took the traditional route of just uh, beating the pavement and trying to get cast and everything. 
as well as doing some broadcast journalism um, with WMAR Channel 2, ABC News in Baltimore. And then decided to do me, mostly because there was a void for it and there was a demand for it. And a void and a demand, that was kind of a sweet spot to slide in. So that's what I did. And I started creating my own work. Um, What that's turned into is my own company, B-Fly Entertainment which is multicultural, multi-generational hip-hop experiences for all audiences. B-Fly is really my dream of, you know, being a B-girl and a fly girl and just (laughs) having those as my superpowers to take over the world. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. And uh, to date, B-Fly has uh, 11 shows that are just on and popping. And before pandemic, we're traveling and touring internationally. And I'm really proud that the 11th show is a commission um, by the Maya Angelou estate with four different cities and theaters, which I started last week. Well, congrats (laughs) on that. That's dope. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's enough. I think that's enough to chew into. Yeah, because that gives us a background. Then you're going to be answering all the questions. You're going to make me look look more like a hack than I actually am. No, No, I, I, I like that that thing that you said about that sweet spot of being like there, there was a void. How, how did you phrase, phrase, phrase it again? Yeah. There was a void and a demand. Yeah. And I, I think like, that's kind of what keeps me coming back to the thing that I'm doing. Like, I don't see people who look like me who actually talking to people from Baltimore about, Hey man, so you're a creator here. Tell me about your creations or you're a small business owner here. Now, if I was just doing a podcast with the way that I think people the way that people have had Baltimore framed to them, it would just be live from the corner. Here's a drug dealer. And that is not what it really is. It's people like me It's people like you. It's, you know, I, I, as I put it to someone recently, I was like, yo, I can talk to the hood dude from West Baltimore and the the, the little white girl that moved in that goes to Micah and who's wanted to explore art. And it's a litany of different types of people where, transitory but people stay because we charm them in charm city and we'll kick you out if you're not authentic if you fake you gotta go but (laughs) you know it's kind of what it is i think i think that's the real yeah you said it best because i've had a hard time over the years just defining what i love about baltimore and what makes it so specifically unique to me but like you said that ability to kind of hopscotch code switch (laughs) between uptown downtown We also have a certain amount of fearlessness that I haven't seen from Mm -hmm. any other city. I mean, challenge me. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) Baltimore folk, (laughs) we have a certain type of fearlessness that can take us all over the world and many different places. And the relatability is so over the top um, because we've kind of seen it all. It's it's in some ways that necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's just like the resources either aren't there or the opportunity isn't there or the attention isn't there. So we're just bubbling and doing our own thing. It's a big DIY scene here. People are just making it. And I think that ties into some of the multi-hyphenated, multidisciplinary things that end up happening. It's like, not only do I do this, but I do this because we didn't have that. Also do a little seamstress work on occasion. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great point. It makes us even more innovative. Our ingenuity is through the roof because some of it's survival, but some of it is also just scrap. Like we can just figure it out. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me about, was there, what was the catalyst 
and 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 granted, it, you may have touched on this because you you gave me the most robust intro, I thought. But uh, <laughs> what was the catalyst for wanting to become a playwright? Um, was it like sharing your ideas on the stage um, to a live audience? What what was that like for you? Yeah, um, you know it's hard because even in interviews like this, I I, I still have an issue with just really taken on one label because I do so many different things and playwright is one of them, but it's hard to choose what would be my top. Um, I think I'd go back to performing just because it was the first. Yeah. And then the other ones, like you said, came out of necessity. Um, so being a director, a choreographer, a playwright, those things came out of opportunities where either the collaborator or myself or the venue was looking for someone like me who could only bring the skills that I bring to the table. And even if I had never done it, I was like, here we go. We're going to try yeah, it on. Absolutely. <laughs> and then find out that yes, if you stick to your lane, it can be incredible. It's a great way to start until folks start trusting you or you start trusting yourself to stretch. So anyway, all of that to say, uh, I didn't intend to be a playwright or plan to be one. Um, for a while, I worked at Arena Stage, which is a regional theater in Washington, D.C., and they would hold playwriting masterclasses and workshops and residencies um, with all kinds of organizations, everything from juvenile detention centers to public schools to group homes. And I just really took a liking to it. And in facilitating some of those classes and workshops, started doing some of the activities and exercises that I ask of the students and then I would just write it as well and be like, oh, snap, this is good. <laughs> like it follows all the parameters and it's kind of dope. And then with my background as a B-girl and loving hip hop, uh, rhymes, lyricisms, wordsmith, all of those things came into play into my writing. Um, and it's certainly what makes my writing unique. So, yeah, I started taking that on and writing. Um, the first show was Page in Full, a B-girl's visual mixtape. And that's my autobiographical solo show. It's the show that started it all and the show that started the company. And that's the first thing I've ever written, like for real, for real, like in terms of a full length project. I need to pick your brain because I feel like I have a story because I believe in puns and I love puns. I feel like I have a the thing. I'll send it to you. It's a, I've done a podcast on, but I feel like it could be a one man show called Raw Observations. Huh? Yeah. If you feel like it, it's probably more than doable. Just me on stage giving out like, here's the thing about uh, what is it like <laughs> scooters? I feel like they're conspiracy from the white man just to blow up the black inner city more at 11. <laughs> it's like, why are you framing us like a news person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you got something then. Um, and I'd say that to anybody, anybody who has that feeling, it probably just needs to come out. And and that's and and, and that's why I think. It, it, granted, this is very early in this conversation, but that's why I think that mindset has a that's a beautiful mindset of just not. I think it has legs because I've talked to people like you have like idea generation or even just the, the whimsy of it. Right. Like all of this stuff is a whimsy. It's <laughs> like I'm thinking this could come to fruition and, and having the approach of why not. But when you run into people who are naysayers and it's like, no, no. You got to get those people away from you. They, 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 they prevent ideas and mm -hmm. they prevent you from even wanting to stretch to even want to try. Like, why should you do that? Why? Why do you think you can be a performer and a director? And it's like, I can right. do all of it. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. And something I'm still learning is that when 
the naysayers show up, they're usually projecting some kind of uh, fear mm-hmm. or intimidation or um, and not necessarily towards you. It's just something they're fearful of. So then they'll just outwardly say, nah, you shouldn't do that. That's not like a lot of work. And you're just like, but I'm not afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> I can put in the sweat, you know. But yeah, when I started framing things like that, um, you know, things started to hit different. So for example, no never meant no to me once I kind of latched onto this. It meant not right now. Yeah. And that just made the rejection a lot easier to deal with in terms of just getting a bunch of slam doors and a bunch of no's. I was like, oh, not right now. Great. I'm going to either go and create that for myself or that opportunity or mm-hmm. find different ways to make that happen. Or I'm going to keep following up or I'm going to try a different route in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't be on the stage. Then I'll be in your box office. Like yeah. all kinds of just different ways to positively frame any kind of resistance to your gut instincts. So you've got a gut instinct right now to do a show. So do it because the gut is really the only thing you need to listen to. I have a big gut. So that, no, stupid. <laughs> no, but I, I think I think one of the things that I've been applying is riding that wave, whatever the wave is. And it's like not really saying no to things, but being very like I already have a, a pre filter, if you will. It's like, I don't know if I want to do that. And it's just out of my own desire. And then other things, it's more of these than, than the other one of, you know, I probably should do that. I think I could do that. I can, you know, let's make that happen. And I think kind of going into it, like for you to start off with page and full, um, you to to do something that someone may say, oh, well, that's not done right or that's done in this way and so on. It's like, well, that's called developing your own style. You Mm -hmm. know, like I may have a specific interview style, right? I may interview people and I'll hear back from folks like, wow, that was that felt like I was there in the conversation with you. This feels not like an interview. This feels like a conversation. It's like because that's how I talk to people Mm -hmm. and I don't want to say so. Yeah. In 2010, when you were blah, 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 no one finds that is is interesting. And that's not interesting to me, but to understand more about what is behind why you're doing what you're doing and learn more about what you're doing. That's the thing that interests me. And that is, I think, better explained and presented through a conversation. And that, yeah, that was what, what my style would be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're right. That style, again, it, it comes from a lot of just trusting your own gut. I mean, even with you starting this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) like when you had the idea for this, was it like all engines go from the moment you had the thought or was it like, you know, some folk were some naysaying showing up or, um, it's funny. Uh, cause like I've been doing a podcast thing for 13 years. This one has been about two and change, two and a half. And I remember one person that I talked to from a marketing standpoint, and she was just like, I don't know if you can find 20 people. And it was kind of like, I was in my, my really? energy. Yes. My energy is generally this. Hmm. Cause the, 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 the genesis of it was Trump said some shit about Baltimore. I didn't like, I need to disprove that. That was my mm-hmm. energy around it. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going that direction. So I'm riding the wave of disproving people. It's like, Oh, Baltimore don't have this. I bet you they do. And <laughs> that's really what it was. And I can be petty about it because I'm very invested <laughs> in, in Baltimore and in this city. And there have been like opportunities to leave, find other things to do. And I, I would imagine you can attest to this being someone who is, 
very, very, very good. You're doing a lot of different things. And like when someone can find that you can do a lot of different things to someone to come in and offer like, here's an opportunity. Yeah, here's some help finally. But right. it's like, no, I'd rather do this here in this area because this matters to me mm-hmm. more than going to a larger market and having these different things, but your soul and your heart and the reason why you do it might not be connected. You're able to have your whole thing there. Yeah. And be able to blow it out there. Yeah. And that's and that's what what matters, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I think you can do this anywhere. So I'm, I'm speaking again to the yeah. audience and everybody who's like, oh, maybe I'm not in Baltimore or maybe I'm not. But it's really what you make it, you know, um, it makes sense for me to be here, especially because of proximity to family, but also my roots. Yeah. All of those things are important to me. But um no matter where you land, I think, you know, you're capable of anything, especially now with the accessibility digitally, like mm-hmm. it's bananas. I did like um, in this time, virtual workshops for international abroad. I mean, like things where that would have taken in the past months and months to plan and design and execute and sure. travel stipends and all that good stuff that I was used to but you could do it in a heartbeat here. I mean, the, the possibilities just seem limitless in this moment. Again, with a positive perspective of, you know, this is different, it's a different time. And, and it's, a, it's a degree of realism. Like I had, a, um, I had a connection with someone who was just talking about how good their background was as a creative and um, music is what, what they were doing. And it's like, yeah, no one gives me any love here. No one really supports me here. This city doesn't support anyone. I was just like, no, maybe you're kind of whack actually. And I, I, I take. I mean, I, I'm an Aquarius. I, I got to be real. And, but but at the same time, you know, if you go somewhere else and then you pop there, then that's that. It wasn't a fit for you right now, and it goes back to the no thing, right? Like it's not right now. It's like this doesn't serve you. This doesn't fit right now. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's forever, but it doesn't fit right now. But the the reason why it was the hot take is ultimately. It's, it's here. It's here is the issue. It's like, no, we know what's good here. We have we don't get the credit for having very discerning taste. Like how many playhouses are here? How many people who come through here? who was like, yeah, you know, I was acting at Arena Players for a while. And then I went back and did my tour of Broadway <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. So you, you have that. Um, so I wanted to ask you this because I'm going to go off script now because you got my dander <laughs> up and it's, it's you. It's all your fault. Um <laughs> What are some of the unifying qualities that are required to kind of wear all of those hats, performer, director, choreographer, uh, playwright in a, within a production? Yeah. Um, you know, I have to lean on collaboration because I cannot take credit for being great at all of those things at one time. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. I take all of the credit. So you're a much better person than me. That's what I'm learning so far. All right, Paige, you're better than me. Uh. Oh gosh. Nope. I can't do it. I would be, it would be a bold face lie. So usually in a situation like that, where I am wearing multiple hats, um, there's probably one or two things that float to the top. Let's say I wrote the play and I'm directing it those two things I can focus on and give my attention to in a 100% kind of way. But then I look to the people I surround myself with, and those are the collaborators in the room, whether that's the cast or musicians or musical director, choreographers. Um, 
you know, sometimes they look to me like, what is that choice or what is that decision or that vision? And I'm like, it's on you, player. Like, we're just in the room together to create this spark. So I'm going to have some ideas, but I know you do, too. So bringing you and your expertise into the room is half the battle for me. And I have to say it's been tricky and hard and it's not something I always get right, but I stand by it. I can't do any of this multidisciplinary stuff without the support of others in any given moment on any given project. Yeah. And I can't, I think being someone that does multiple things that are ultimately driving to, to what the goal is of creation, creating something, writing something, whatever it is, I, I think, we forget the importance of collaboration. We forget the importance of a team because, and I know that I fall into this regularly, that I'm, I'm the editor, I'm the host, I'm the scheduler, I'm the graphic designer, website guy. And you, you want to do all of these different things. And I think recently I've learned, like, I can hand that off. How can I, like, I can't. You can hand it off. Right. And, and I can't, like, I can't research, like, like some of your stuff and then interview you while trying to do all of these other things. I'm one person, I'm not Dr. Manhattan. I can't make multiples <laughs> of myself. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and so I think being able to figure out what is, what are you least optimal with and be able to delegate in that way. But also the main, I think the main thing you learn from it is having a team, having collaborative collaborators is important. It's very important. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing a performance, this is going to sound terrible. If you're doing a performance and you're performing on stage, you can't be the tree and the person in front. I'll be a tree because I'm big. I'm six, four. So I can be the tree on stage. Right. <laughs> but also I can't be like the leading my blocking will be off. The blocking will be wrong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I mean, not just that, like, I think it's important that folk know that you know, this comes with a lot of mental and physical stress and strain. And I think the true moment when I can be at peace with being a multidisciplinary artist is when I can begin to delegate, which means I can trust Mm -hmm. Um, different tasks, like you said, different things, roles. And there's always a check back in, right? And you could check back in with me and I could be like, that's not it. Let's try something else. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And that's okay. And we both go back to where we, we work and we come back together. But, you know, if I wasn't able to delegate, it just equals burnout. And I've been there and it's terrible and it's nothing I want to repeat. Yeah. <laughs> so in moments like that, I really do have to kind of humble myself in terms of not trying to be the perfectionist to take it all on. Mm-hmm. And really start to understand that these people are around me for a reason. And again, trusting in their expertise. And it's not always easy, you know, yeah. because I am very type A and I am very perfectionist. <laughs> so it's an ongoing thing. I'm a type but, B. I'm a beta. Beta male. <laughs> would you say that? People tell me I'm an a alpha. I, I think I'm a beta. People tell me I'm an alpha. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We self-starters. There's something about us that just, you know, screams type A. I might, I might be just modest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Or in, or in disguise. <laughs> or that. <laughs> no, but like I said, like, you know, whatever, everything that you're putting down, it's like I'm, I'm picking up. And, um, and, and kind of going back to it, like one of the things I was saying earlier about in starting this podcast, it's really touching on something that I'm really invested in. This the city the people in it, mainly the people in it, because a city, a city doesn't mean much without the people in it. There's personalities here, all of these different things to kind of build up what it is. Um, 
was there something like in your life that influenced you to choose this as a career or maybe the subject matter and what you want to choose? Like you, you said it has, uh, has the hip hop influence in there. So tell me, tell me about, tell me about that. Like, what are some of the influences that are just permeate within your work that is like, this is definitely Paige here. This is definitely <laughs> me chiming in. Tell me, tell me about that. Um, so the influences again, point back to the name of my company, the B flies, which are the B girls and fly girls of the world. Um, specifically the fly girls on a living color, which you is a show late eighties, mm -hmm. early nineties. A lot of folk know it. A lot of folk don't, which Do is wild in living color. <sighs> Yes. Oh, yeah. Heavy oh, D. Yeah. Come uh -huh. on now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Heavy R. No. <laughs> Why do you keep going there? <laughs> SW1. I just have like the, the, the Gumby. SW1 with the yeah. Gumby. And yeah, the Fly Girls would come out in between sketches. And for me, they just represented the best role models I had in terms of women who were international yeah. and not hypersexualized and while having technique brought their own swagger. Mm. And I was just like, I want to be like them. You know, I, I consider myself really fortunate to have grown up in the hip hop era that I did because, you know, MC Light, Latifah, when I think of these women and how they dressed and how they carried themselves and the knowledge of self that they had, mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't see much of that today. I mean, you have to really look for it, but um, to see that represented in that, in that time in hip hop and with the fly girls being at the center. And then the fly girls all went on to do tremendous things. You know, the most popular being Jennifer Lopez and Rosie Perez yeah. and Carrie Ann Anaba, but they're all businesswomen and, you know, still to this day, just doing it and they open doors. So, um, when I'm looking to create, I'm looking to provide that next step or path for the generations behind me. Um, I love that quote that Intasaki Shange says she wrote for colored girls, yeah. but she says, I am creating and writing for the next artist to arrive to it. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I want that eight year old Baltimore girl to arrive to page in full in 10 years and say, I'm going to try this on and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this monologue and get a scholarship. Like that's what's up yeah. that reaching back, that reaching behind. And then I can also say that, you know, I'm informed a lot by the eight-year-old me. And the eight-year-old me <laughs> grew up in the Drew Hill Park area, Arkadrali Terrace, right by Mondawmin. Let's go. And <laughs> went to Westside Elementary. And right. <laughs> <laughs> these, you know, field trips and things, they never included the representation, like you were saying earlier, Rob, mm -hmm. that look like us, that talk like us, that walk like us, like... You know, I remember being so excited to go explore and see the world, but the world never looked like me. Right. You know, unless we were going into nature or the zoo, which was across the street. But like, yeah. So even in this moment now, I'm like, what can I create for eight year old black girls or just girls in the diaspora period um, where they can feel validated, where they can feel like they're being heard or that their voices are lifted. And that's essentially what I strive to do. That, I'm going to I think I'm going to start applying that because I, I think it's a white rabbit approach where at least the way that I kind of talk about it with my girlfriend, where it's just like when you encounter something and you just hear it, it's like, no, this was not a coincidence. You got to just follow it. So if someone makes a recommendation. It's like, I'm going to try this. And I've heard like kind of are you making things? And it's paraphrasing, obviously, but 
like making things for the eight year old you or even the thing that like <laughs> Virgil was saying, you know, like I, I make things for the younger me. I think I'm going to mm-hmm. look at that because, yeah, that that's it's not there. And I think in part there was a little preordainedness. That's not a word um, for <laughs> with me, like my name. Right. I, I, you know, you do etymology. My name means bright and famous, which is ridiculous. And I'm a junior. So I was like, mm. um, and <laughs> I, going back to we, we talked about school and such a little bit when I was in like elementary school. So we're talking, what is it? Furman T. Templeton or whatever back in Westside. Yeah. Yeah. Talk that talk. Um, I was like a master of ceremony for like a play as like a five-year-old Ooh. and kind of not like not being afraid of it, but mm-hmm. just being like, yeah, you should be in, you should do this. And not really feeling like, oh, I'm not a class clown. I'm not someone that is really out there. I mean, the only thing was like, literally, I'm, I'm, I was just a big kid. You know, I'm like six, four, like 300 pounds now. So even then I was a big child. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you fit here. You're, you're, you should be in front of a stage. And, and, and that's been a thing. And I think in some ways, I always kind of return to it, but in a way that fits where I'm at in my life and where I'm at in my thinking. So, yeah, I, I don't know. So I'm kind of thinking about that a little bit now, especially because you mentioned um, just kind of doing something that you feel like connects to that generation or could potentially connect and inspire the generation that follows. So, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for saying that, because I'm going to look out and point to the chubby guy with the glasses on as a kid. You, too, <laughs> can talk to people via Zoom. And that's wild, too, that you that you were doing that at a young age. You were meant to speak. You were meant to just. That's, yeah. Isn't that kind of wild? It, it is. It's very wild, and not knowing, not, not knowing any better. <laughs> now, like speak in front of people, mm-mm. Toastmasters. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, but, in a great way. Like absolutely. I, I think we show up as ourselves. It's so interesting. Sometimes that young. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. And now I think I overthink it. But once I can and maybe that's the thing, tapping back into what would eight year old Rob or even then five year old Rob do in this scenario, he would just do it. He would just mm-hmm. do the thing. Now it's just like you, as you get older, I think you run into maybe it's the naysayer in your head or maybe it's the naysayer that's right in front of you. But the dream killers, you, you run into that and mm-hmm. that maybe stems it. So in it, it kind of leads to this next question. Do you think creativity is a part of human nature or is it something that and or is it is it something that needs to be nurtured and learned? Like, is it just naturally there or is it something like you might have an interest, but we need to kind of move you in that direction? Like speaking specifically for like people who are young and might be interested in doing something creatively. Yeah, I think it's both. Mm. I think you've got some innate qualities that tell you what your path can be, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I think you do have to nurture it. I think you do have to feed it (laughs) Um, like a monster. (laughs) Monster. I I Um, almost immediately started thinking a little shop of horrors. It's like, look, Seymour. Or that, That, right? Feed Seymour. The creative, like, (laughs) Venus flytrap. Yeah. Um, just because like with all things, the more practice you have with it, the more varied experiences you have with it, mm-hmm. you know, it makes you more well-rounded. Um, it helps you to be able to, to deal with the really super lows and the yeah. really amazing dope highs. But I think you got to have a little bit of all of it to really understand and appreciate when it is low, when it is high. Um, 
You know, I have to say that the the highs from prior to 2019 got me through the low of 2020. Like, mm-hmm. and if you think about it in that way, like, do you have that thing to hang on to for four months if you couldn't do it anymore? Which is just that good, positive feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, those it's endorphins, those endorphins are real, are real right there. Yeah. Or are they going to be fleeting and disappearing and gone? And then you're in this, you know, deep, dark place. And I think there's no wrong answer, but I'm always looking for that thing that's going to carry me through in a deficit. So, um, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's both. And then the other thing I'll say about nurturing is the game I play is a game that has a lot of systems already in place. You know what I'm saying? Systems that were built to not have me be a part of it or to have me thrive or succeed in it. And if I didn't nurture what I felt and learn the game, then I couldn't break the rules. Mm. I think I'm only able to break the rules in certain cases because I know the game so well. And that's a nurturing. So I think you can have the natural talent, but if you don't know all the things they know in order to shake it up, then you can still find yourself stuck. That That's kind of the stage that I'm at where when it comes to the creative side of things, I think that I'm pretty solid. And I agree. You know, you have to be able to know that those rules and know what the, the parameters are, the barriers to be able to draw outside of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, going back to it, it, it lets you to enable your style. I've been reading this this book, uh, Be Water, My Friend, um, this uh, Sh- uh, Shannon Lee talking about her dad, Bruce Lee, and this whole philosophy of be water. And it's like, oh, my style is to have no style and all of these, these different things. So no parameters, no limits. And it's really resonating with me. But then it's that other thing of, all right, creatively, I'm here. I know this and I'm happy here and I'm moving in a way that doesn't feel limited. Like I can ask different questions. I can talk to different people. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to, I'm talking to someone who does everything in a production. You're one woman thing person. <laughs> That's the word person. That's a word. Um, <laughs> but you know, when this podcast began, I wouldn't have the confidence to even be able to hold a cogent conversation with you. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So being able to develop and move there and learn and have that, that confidence and what have you and not limit myself. I can only talk to people who do this musicians and chefs. And it's like, no, I can, I can extend and and do more there and have more insightful and interesting conversations, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And and just not have limitations. But when it comes to, you know, grants and funding, all of that's I know nothing about that. So that's a whole different area that is an opportunity, not a, a place to say, well, it's only going to go so far, but it's an opportunity to maybe stretch in that area as well. And, you know, because as you know, touched on earlier, those resources aren't always available. So right. you might be able to help people out. Hey, you can help another podcaster out, another person that does something similar that's in a spot. Hey, you mm-hmm. ever think about writing it this way? Hey, you ever think about doing content in, in this manner? So yeah, that, that's just the, the thought there. We're getting so it sounds like, are, would you would you agree with me that you need both? I agree. No, I absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it's definitely a thing. You start off with something and, um, you know, like, Going back to, for me, when the, the School of the Arts thing, I went there to be a comic book writer. I, I was drawing comic books, um, and that's what I did in middle school. And um, kind of moving to a different version of creativity, like that didn't really go the direction I wanted and kind of you know, took a shot at confidence. So I started um, writing poetry and short stories and things of that nature. 
And as an adult, I came back to the comics. I write a comic with my girlfriend now and I have someone else draw it. And it's about cats, about <laughs> cat lawyers. It's ridiculous, but it's very fun. <laughs> and I'm doing this. I was able to put all of my eggs kind of in this area and really have that interest of like, I want to do something creative. So that was my starting point. I want to have a voice creatively starting point and then just nurturing and having people around you like, yeah, do that shit. Or man, get some equipment. You know what? Yeah, you should take um, acting lessons or mm. things like that. Like I've been in, in the last like I've never acted before outside of two things that I've done this year. I was in some commercial and um, it's an HBO show that I was background in. And that was pure manifestation. Yeah, I, I interviewed the dude. and I was like, I'm being that shit. And then <laughs> I got a call from like someone I know who was doing casting. It's like, yo, you trying to be a drug dealer for us? I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> And it's manifestation. So, you know, just kind of going back to it, like, this is your fault again. You know, you, you, you're encouraging my my thinking of, like, being someone that was, like, in front of people and, like, hey, you got something to say, right? And that's kind of what, what I guess this is an extension. I'm just muttering. Yeah. Um. So I got two more questions before I get into the ridiculous questions. I got rapid, okay. I got rapid fire questions that I did not send you purposely. Oh, I love it. Yes, I I, I love a good rapid fire. All right, type A. Um, <laughs> can you share some of your recent influences? Are there any specific works in terms of visual arts, literature, film, music that are important to you that are resonating here? We're recording this in 2021. I'm going to say it's 2022. So I just watched... Uh, it's basically a theatrical experience. It's called American Utopia by David Byrne. Yeah. You watched it? My, my girls are huge talking heads. So yeah. <gasps> it took me forever to press play on HBO Max. I uh, didn't see it in person, but I just dug it. I dug a lot about, you know, how it was just different. And it really just awoken some, some inspiration in me too, which is great. So I highly recommend that. Um, and then Kahindi Wiley, mm -hmm. who I recently saw, oof, you're going to have to help me out, Rob. Um, the statue that he made that's outside of the Richmond um, Museum, which essentially is the response to taking down the Robert E. Lee Memorial statue. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And R rumors of um, rumors of war. Rumors of war. Yeah. Yes. Got to see that in person. I've never seen a sculpture again look like us, like on a horse with Tim's, with the locks and the shave around the side, fire. and a hoodie, and all of that done in iron and yep. stone. I was just, um, I was just, I'm, I'm even talking about it. I'm like, what? Have we ever had anything like that? Right. I mean for us, by us, looks like us. Like, I'm not talking about like, and no disrespect, but like a Mary McLeod Bethune statue that's done by a white sculptist that's done, you know, that's put in a park. And blah, blah, blah. But like, this was like, oh, you're going to ask yeah. for this? Then not yeah. only am I going to show gonna us. so black. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, look, man. <sighs> man. <sighs> I was going to say something really inappropriate. It's like, it's going to be so black that the credit score might be questionable. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's terrible, but also. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, his work just evokes all of that in me. Just that, mm -hmm. that like tongue tied. 
I'm in awe looking at his work. And I got to see a few of his oil paintings. Um, I guess I was in Detroit when I first saw that, saw one like that. Um, and they're grand, just like that sculpture. Yeah. I mean, they are literally the size of my body, like five feet tall and just like oil on canvas, black as, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I can't get enough. I'll just be like, and then of course the Obama portrait and Absolutely. things like that. But honestly, the Obama portrait sits lower on the ranking of the things I love by Kahinde. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I definitely pulled up cause I was like, Oh, I, know that. I was like, Oh, I do. And yeah. it, it's kind of this thing where it's just like, it's that vibrancy there. And one of the things, and this is a little self-serving, but one of these things that I've been doing is in, in interviewing like artists, visual artists, I'm like, yo, how can I be immortalized in your work? And not in, <laughs> a, and not in a dickish way, but like, look, uh, you know, this is my work. And, you know, and really meaning that in, earn, in an earnest way. And a few that I've talked to, like, no, absolutely, bro, let's do it. I was like, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. you know, I you want to see you want to see all shades of black people. You want to see all types of black people represented in these things. And that's what I see with Kahinde Wally's work. It's just like, oh, you know, do I know this person? Yeah, right. No, you it looks like your cousin. Yeah. Yes. And it looks like it's from where you're from. <laughs> and right. you know what? You know what I'm thinking about, too? I'm thinking he created what he wanted to see as an eight-year-old. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. You know what I'm here. saying? Mm -hmm. Like what? He probably never saw statues that look like, you know, the homies. Yeah. Like, yo, we don't wear Tim like that. Yo, fix that. Fix that. Nah, mm -mm, mm -mm. You know what? I'm doing and like myself. The, I mean, to the detail, like the shoestrings are even laced right on them Tims. Right. <laughs> in a sculpture <laughs> like every now and again when i watch something because i watch a, a fair amount of movies um a lot of horror movies and i had this conversation yesterday uh with someone that's in the fantasy uh, sci-fi horror like realm and we were talking about like just this representation thing and like how is a shift? And I think in part that's due to jordan peele and more recently um DeCosto have you um from from um Candyman and we what I was watching um Black Noir um Horror Noir rather and it was just something that was so funny in the series version not the documentary version it was like about this this woman that was like enraptured by some some sprite Any, anyway she she was a succubi or have you and I remember the the kid or the teenager that she was interested in was one of her students his girlfriend was like, why are you dealing with that old ass woman? I was like, that's not, that's, that was black dialogue right there. That was <laughs> a black person was in the writer's room. It was kind of one of those things. I was like, nah, that, that wasn't acting. She said that that was ad libbing. Like that was too real. <laughs> and I was like, and I, then I got offended. I was like, how old is this woman? I was like, she's 30. I was like, yeah, I'm 36. I was like, this is a fit. You know, <laughs> I literally did that. But yeah, it was just like, you see it in there. The, mm -hmm. Like those things that feel real and true in that way, mm -hmm. it hits different. You're like, you know what? This was a mid-grade movie, but also they did that. So right yeah. there, that gained you a whole point. You're at a seven. You were at a six a minute ago. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. So before I get to the real, the, the, the weird question, I have one last one to, to, to ask you. Uh, what are your most important relationships and how does art making affect maybe those, those parts of your, your life? Mm. Um, I mean, I hope this doesn't sound too cliche, but it's definitely family. Um, <laughs> you know, my husband and my parents and my brothers, 
I have to say of everybody I just mentioned, we're all pretty artistic. Uh, everybody's got some kind of creative through line and very different, you know, like my little brother is a hip hop producer and DJ. And while that's different from what I do, all of his work informs my work. Right. And thankful to say that over the years, my brother, Nick, Nick, the Wanda, who's the city grad. Me and, um, me and Nick were friends, actually. You're not, you're playing. We had a film class together. No, 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 no. He used to go by Elian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Nick, Nick, so Nick used to wear what Echo all the time. And yes. as a result, I used to wear Mecca all the time. And my rap name was Nam Mecca. Wait, did you know this before talking to me? No, I didn't. That our brother, I mean, that like my brother. No, I didn't. I had no idea. That is amazing. I was, I was, because it was too many things you were saying. I was like, I probably know you somehow. I'm well, that's so Baltimore for you. Yeah, that's Baltimore. Yeah. Like yeah. 3,000%. Yeah, Nick was like my man. Nick was my man. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Wait till I tell him this. <laughs> <laughs> An echo. Oh, that's so funny. The bootlegs, the stories. Yeah. My yeah. goodness. Uh -huh. But anyway. <laughs> that's, that's fire. That's fire. So yes, Nick is a huge inspiration to me. Yeah. Um, and his music has been a part of almost all of my shows. So grateful for him and our collaboration. And then my husband is a jazz musician and I think he's the greatest bass player in the world. I uh, like, know him too. <laughs> you do. You do. Uh, oh, we wow. can figure this out, Rob. I mean, okay. we can also spend the rest of the podcast figuring out how we're connected and yeah, then yeah. how we're eventually cousins. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, look, it's, it's something black and other in here. We'll figure it mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. I think that was a running um, bit with me and Nick, by the way. It's like, what are you? God, so funny. <laughs> well, my husband is Chris Fun. I don't know if that name rings a bell. But um, he comes from a great, rich Baltimore legacy because his dad is Charles Fun, who used okay. to run up the uh, Dunbar marching band. Wow. So lots of music in his yeah. lineage, you know, his side. But um, the same with Chris, you know, just hearing him and how he creates and what he creates. That informs a lot about what I'm doing. And <laughs> actually, just this morning, I was like, low-key begging him to collaborate with me on something else which is always interesting once you know you're a couple and you're living together and how you make that work and yeah. you know jazz and theater it's it, they're two very different worlds so learning each other's worlds has also been something that i've never expected but has definitely improved me for the better and i hope him too so that's great that is great <laughs> uh, uh, wow wow this uh, there's there's been a few instances where i've had people that either want to city that it's like i didn't know what we were there at the same time you're like the mm -hmm. fourth person that has a connection in that way that i've had on this podcast it's like yo you remember me i was like no i do not um but yeah so that's that's been cool that's that's great i might have to have a, a get together it's like look i will owe you drinks i didn't know you. that's so funny all right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I got I got five questions. These okay. are rapid fire questions. Ready. And essentially with the rapid fire questions, you don't have to provide any extra context unless you really want to, but essentially they're framed as look, I said what I said. Mm. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, this is this is a tough one because of what you do. What play changed your life? See? <laughs> Told you. Told you. I'll go little shop of horrors. Uh 
favorite place you like to perform at in Baltimore? Uh, Every Man Theater. What was your last Google search? Hindi Wally. Yeah, of course it was. Same as me. Uh, <laughs> what is something you should never say before a play? Let me get this candy out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> I was expecting something like, yeah, good luck. It's like, never say that. <laughs> uh, no, if you're in the audience, eat, eat your candy before you come in. <laughs> that's, it's that's, the worst from on stage. That's it's hilarious. like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Sweet tots? <laughs> It's like nails on a chalkboard. We'd be up there acting and emoting, and all we hear is. I, I remember at one point there was this uh, play called Fun Home that mm-hmm. uh, my, my girl got tickets to because she, she was like, "Look, this is gonna be great." We were directly in the front row, and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yo, look, I'm we gonna be distracted." Everything, but I, I mean, I'm 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 a great audience member, right? I'm not not doing <laughs> extra stuff. I was like, well. I'm going to scratch my, I'm, I'm like perfectly still, like upright, good posture. Like, <laughs> I'm going to scratch my face. I'm going to move my glasses a thousand times. I hope they don't get offended or distracted. <laughs> well, um, you're a good audience member if you're thinking about us that much. So uh, I, I, I do. Cause it's just being a person that's been on like doing live podcasts. You're on stage. You're like, look, can y'all stop being what you are? Um, last question. Uh, favorite <laughs> rapper. Uh, Rakim. Okay. I respect it. The, the mercurial aquarium yeah let's go let's get it yeah yeah um so i want to thank you again for being on this podcast thank you thank Yay. you thank you so much thank you um, for having me absolutely and i want to invite you to plug away where can you find you at online where could find listeners find you at online and check out some of your stuff yeah across all social media platforms page in full p-a-i-g-e-i-n-f-u-l-l uh or patronandas.com has more more updates about where you can find me next but um yeah be on the lookout for this maya angelou commission life doesn't frighten me um i'm directing off broadway this spring i'm super excited about that and then i'll be back on stage in baltimore uh, in May in a show called crying on television at every man. So if we don't meet up before then, we'd love to see you in the place to be in May. Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Yay! I'm going to do my sign off here. So for Paige, Paige in full, Paige Hernandez, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs>